0: Welcome to the Live Point Podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. We hope you're inspired by this message. Yes. So good, so good. God bless you guys. Thank you for being in the house today. Let me welcome everybody joining us online. You guys matter. Drop us a little note in the comments. Let us know where you're watching from. It's always good to see that. We love you guys dearly. Love you guys in the house today too. It's a special time to be alive. Um, for those of who don't know me, my name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor here. It's a privilege for my family to serve you, serve this community. And as I said just a few minutes ago, I am just pumped for Easter. I always get pumped for Easter. I'm pumped most of the time. Seldom am I like downtrodden and, you know, overrun by by just silliness, right? And I just, I'm excited about what Jesus does, and uh, it's just incredible that we get to do this, and we get to do it with you guys. I come here and see you guys, and it just charges me up. We're kicking off this brand new series this week called Hope Coming. I want to tell you a little bit about some of my process. Like, I start planning stuff way out, and somebody's like, well, where's the Holy Spirit in that? And I think he's all in that, right? God is a God of order, and He can speak tomorrow and way out and far beyond we can what we can plan. He's in control, right? So we consult Him all the time, not just on Sunday mornings before I get up, right? So this is this story we've been we've been thinking about the series and planning, and I've never I've never believe it or not I've I've mentioned this story a lot of times, the the story of the prodigal son, the parable, but I've never preached a message out of it. Like How have you been preaching this many years? I was like, I don't know. It's not like, I've, like I said, it's come up in sermons. I've just mentioned it, but we're going to do a series on this story leading up to Easter. So some of the stuff you're going to hear today, you're going to hear again on September uh, April 17th, maybe September 17th too. <laughs> but uh, in April 17th, when we come back for Easter, we're going to have a whole bunch of guests and people are going to meet Jesus that day. And, and I was thinking about this, this word, homecoming right? And I was like, I kind of wanted to name it that. But then just something said, man, hope's going to come alive for people in this next season. People who are walking around hopeless. They're going to meet Jesus, and literally hope's going to well up inside of them and say, just come home. And, uh, and again, as I said a few minutes ago, that's always the, the call of God is just to come here let me love you. So that's where that came from. You know, this, this series is based on, on the parables, and there's three of them in Luke chapter 15, and you can turn there in your Bible now or on your device or whatever you're looking at there. Um, and we're going to look at three of them. The first two we're going to look at just briefly to kind of set the tone, but they're all, they're all saying this, the same thing essentially. Right. And so whether you've heard this a thousand times or this is the first time you've heard this story or, you know, heard a series through it, either way, wherever you're at in your level of faith with Jesus, there's something for everybody here today. I am going to poke and I'm going to prod a little bit today. And uh, man, I don't know where they're going, but they're rumbling somewhere, aren't they? But we listen to this. We live in it. We live in a day and time where we're prodigal. Right. The world is trying to make prodigals. The world wants this. And if you're a parent, you probably know what I'm talking about. There is a massive wedge that the world is trying to drive between you and your children. You are the protector of your circle. You're the one that has to fight for that. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And you might, well, where's the evidence of that? And well, I'll tell you what, if you, if you really want to break the word down, prodigal, what it really means is what I told you earlier is wasted. You don't think the devil wants you to waste your time? He absolutely wants you to waste your time. He wants you to waste minutes, seconds, hours, days, weeks, years. Some of you got saved later on in life, and I'm so thankful you're saved. But if you could go back, how many of you would serve God earlier, right? right. That's the hands of people who said, I wasted too much time. I want to give him everything. And so what you got to understand now is there's still the opportunity to go in harder to go in harder with the Lord. It's not burdensome. It's not that there's these precepts, these laws, these commands. God's trying to make your life better, not worse. When you get that inside of your mind and you begin to follow what he says, his instructions, you're going to live a better life. I'm not saying everything will be easy, but you will live a better life. This story, yes, there was a lot of waste. We see that. In our lives, there's been a lot of waste. But we understand, I'm telling you, the world is trying to make prodigals. It's trying to, and if we're not careful, we're going to let the devil win with his plan in your life. I'm not going to let that happen, (laughs) but if you're not going to have it, the prodigal is waste, right? The devil has a plan. It is to systematically annihilate the biblical family. We know that. What was before, how things were before, right? We're just structured. Everybody sat down. How many of you had dinners with your family growing up? If you didn't, I'm sorry. Is it, literally, I, I think that's important to sit down. And, and your kids, they're fighting for their own time. They want to be independent. I know a lot of your kids have their own room. What a blessing. that We, we, have, we live in such an amazing country. Seriously, it's ridiculous that, like how much we have just rooms upon rooms and stuff. And you think your kids, like, you threaten them by sending them to their room. They've got a TV. They've got, like, PlayStations, Xbox, cell phones. Some of them have mini fridges in there. You sit into the room, they're like, thank you, Jesus. I didn't want to hang out with you guys anyway. (laughs) Like, what in the world is going on with us, right? And so what happens is, they go down the hall, they sit there, they're isolated by themselves. Who knows what's being fed into them? We're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But, But sometimes the devil doesn't even have to do too much work. We do it to ourselves. Families do it to themselves by just not taking the reins of this thing. If you don't drive the vehicle, somebody else is going to drive it. And you're not going to like when it gets to where it's going. I promise you that. You guys, we got we to gotta snap out. We got to listen better. We got to get our kids to church. I know there's a bunch of teenagers in the house that got dragged to church today. Come on, parents. Give it up. Woo! Drag them to church. Right? I was there my whole life. You've heard me say it before. I was. My dad was preaching the day I was born. I, if you want to tell... Church stories, I match you all day long and more. So don't don't come here. I'm not going to listen to your sad story about having to come to church. It's a blessing to be able to come to the house of God, all right? And listen, I'm okay if you don't want to come to this church. That's okay. We're a Bible-teaching, Bible-believing church. We have modern lights and haze, but we stick close to the Word of God. We're never going to get away from this thing right here. So if you don't like it, I don't know what to tell you. We're going to preach the truth. Sometimes it's hard. There's, You want instruction for your life? It's in here. You want direction for your life? It's in here. You want correction for your life? It's in here. You want affirmation for your life? It's in here. But some of you don't have what's going on. I don't know what I want. It's in there. <laughs> It's in there. just read it, get it inside of you. start digesting it. So let me give you the context of this, of this passage in Luke chapter 15. Jesus's he's, he's been criticized. He's always criticized. but one of the chief criticisms of Jesus is this is that he was a friend of sinners. Anybody ever been criticized for being a friend of sinners? I have. I'll tell you a story, uh, not this church, but at the last church I was at, I was ministering to a family, I had met them, I'm a big believer in third space, if you don't know what third space is, I've told you before, it's like, this is the church, the world is the world, and there are these places that we can interact with them, like Starbucks, Starbucks is a third space, right? Some of you go to Mario's, right? Some of you go to El Presidente, whatever you go to, right? Wherever you get your your croquetas and coffee, you know. (laughs) That's a third space. You know what happens there? You intersect culture. And you go there every day. Hey, Susie, what's going on? Let me get. Oh, you just want a coffee and a croqueta? Yeah, and a pack of crackers. And uh, it's going to be great. and And you begin to have these conversations every day, but you never talk about Jesus. That's the third space. If you will begin to inject, you know Susie. She knows you. She knows where you work. You know where she works. You see her every day. She makes your coffee. She makes it just right. It's perfect. It's amazing. And you've never talked about Jesus in the last five years. That's a third space. I'm a big believer in third space. So I go there. I meet people. I know some of you are more shy. I'm not shy at all. My daughter tells me I have too big a personality. I have to dial it back. But no, I don't. I want to meet people. I want to hang out with them. I want to get to know them. And then I want to inject Jesus into there. <laughs> there. Yes, there is an agenda. The world has an agenda. I have an agenda too. It's Jesus, right? Better believe it. I'm trying to get it inside of people. And so what I said, I met these people and I met them at the gym. I didn't meet them at church, but I was trying to get them to church. And we became pretty good friends at the gym I was going to. And they, my daughter was going there too. And they said, why don't you come over to a birthday party? And I know these people and I know it's going to be wild. So now I have a decision to make. I'm like, oh, hmm. All right, we're going. So I'm going to take my wife, I'm going to take my daughter, and I'm going to go. And we went. Was it the right decision? I think it was the right decision. Here's why I went there with my wife and my daughter. I didn't go there by myself. I mean, I'm slow, but I'm not that slow. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's called accountability, people. Now, some of you are like, oh, I'm just going to creep over here by myself and serve the Lord. No, you're not. You know, you're going to fall like the rest of them. How? The mighty fall, right? It's, and nobody's that strong. But what, what happened was, long story short, is I went there, I ministered to the people. And it's amazing how quickly people's conversations will turn when they find out you're a pastor. <laughs> Happens all the time. Because I asked that. You've heard me say that's how I introduce. Uh, and i asked them, what do you do? Oh, I'm a contractor. Oh, praise God. What, then they ask me, what do you do? Oh, I'm a pastor. Oh. Yeah. I go to church. It's down there. I don't know the name. I don't know the pastor's name. I don't know anything about it, but that's my church, right? And it's <laughs> part of the deal, right? I get it. And I don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. I'm just trying to get people to Jesus again. Long story short, about 30 of those family members ended up coming to Jesus. And um, but on the back end of that, on the back end, sure enough, a picture showed up on Facebook. And i got my arm around this guy and he's got like a bottle of beer and you know and oh man i didn't know you were at a party da, 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 da. so i got up and i said listen don't be a pharisee don't be a pharisee religion is religion pure religion is pure religion right bad religion is bad religion people pick on religion but Bad religion is bad religion. Pure religion is this, that you care for the widows and the orphans. So that can be good religion. But don't be so religious that you just look around judging everybody all the time. And if everybody you know, every single person you know, loves Jesus with their whole heart and all their you're not doing it right. You're called to be a witness. Now, again, be careful where you go, like the little song saying we would as a kid, be careful little feet where you go, be careful little hands what you do, careful little ears what you hear, all of that, that, that is truth, right? So Jesus was criticized for hanging out with sinners. That was the chief criticism of him. And so here's what he says in Luke chapter 15. I'm going to read a couple of verses, skip a couple of verses, and then we're going to get down to the core of this. It says in verse one that tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus preach because he was mesmerizing, because of the gospel is attractive to people. If you listen to people like even Elon Musk, the things he talks about, he'll never come out and be like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But some of the things he talks about are biblical principles, right? That's because they're good. (laughs) The word of God is good for you, and it's good to apply to your life. Well, they were mesmerized by Jesus. They said at one point, nobody, who is this man that talks like, we've never even heard anybody talk like this before. That's because he was the son of God. Verse 2 says, this made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Oh, how many of you ate with sinners this week? Oh my. All of you. (laughs) You We're all sinners, right? All we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all eating with sinners every week. But thank God he is redeeming us. He is restoring us. We're getting a little bit better. And there's a difference between sinning and practicing sin, right? So so hopefully you didn't, you know, just hang out with only practicing sinners all week long. But you reached out to some of those during the week. Verse 3 says this. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what would he do? We know the parable of the lost sheep. There's 99 that are here. They're just fine. They're contained. And one wanders off. The man goes after him because he cares about the one. Doesn't mean he doesn't care about the 99, right? I'm talking to you guys. You guys are the 99 today. You're here, Lord. Most of you are like, you're here. But we're, we're, we're talking to you. I love you guys. But I also love the ones in Homestead that don't even know Jesus loves them yet. Right? So when I talk about reaching them or reaching the people who are lost in this room, it doesn't mean that I don't love you. He loves all of them and it's important. But what happens when that last sheep has been found? It says in verse 6, when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors and saying, rejoice with me for I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over the 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. God cares about the lost, He cares about you. If you're a lost sheep, He cares about you. He's always coming after you. People like me sometimes are slow. And so he repeats kind of the same story in a different way. It's a great teaching method. Jesus was a great teacher, the best teacher, right? So this is what he says. He says, suppose woman has 10 coins, this lady. She loses one. And I like this detail. It says, won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call to her friends and neighbors and say, rejoice! with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way there is joy in the presence of God at angels when one sinner repents. What I like about the detail is she turned on the light. Sin is always leading you into darkness. Right? So sometimes you got to go into the darkness, but you don't go out, you don't go in there without turning on the light. <laughs> you go in there, and guess what? When you turn on the light, it's not dark anymore. And when you shine the light, it exposes something. And when it's exposed, sometimes you will find. So when you walk into your office and you're like, it's so dark in here, turn on the light. I'm not talking about the light switch. I'm talking about the light of Jesus. Right? It will begin to expose something. And people can be found if you will turn on the light. Not everybody's going to love you. Just like the Pharisees didn't love everything that Jesus said. Now, let's jump in. To this, to the part that we're gonna get to. This is gonna be a three week series, but we're just gonna do a couple verses today. The parable of the lost son. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them the story. A man has two sons. He's trying to drive this home. What's he trying to drive home? But Jesus cares about the loss. If Jesus cares about the loss, I should care about the loss. If he cares about the loss, you should care. That should be here. We're here. Jesus came came, he said, I came to seek and save the Lost, right? That was the mission of Jesus. The mission of Jesus is our mission. We've got to do better at this. Verse 12 says, the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Be careful what you want. Be careful what you want. I want to pick on some things today. Listen. If you find yourself wanting to be away from accountability, from church, from people who will tell you the truth about your life, you're already in trouble. What are you going to? What this guy do? I want my stuff and I'm out. Is what he's saying. If you start having that notion, that thought process in your mind, you better get around somebody quickly who will pray about you, who will tell you the truth about your life. You absolutely need this because there are things that God has planned for us later that we cannot handle right now. Social media, all of these things, they have, they have caused, uh, uh, I'm, I'm watching this epidemic, whatever it is, people want to skip the process of things. They're leaping over the process. Something happens in the process that you need. There's something in the process. So now somebody gets saved, praise God. They should tell everybody. Should should they immediately jump up here and start preaching? That I don't know about, right? Because there has to be something. There has to be a strengthening of the spiritual legs. I remember when when I finally surrendered to the call of of, of being in ministry. I didn't want to do this. I've told you this before. I didn't want to do this. My first degree is in business administration. I wanted to go make millions, right? And God was like, "Bam, bam, over my head." I was finally, I surrender. Right? I'm going to do it. And so I, I didn't want to. So I went to my dad, and I was like, "I'm ready to preach." And he was like, "Okay, go preach." And I was like, "No, like on Sundays, right there." He's, "Oh, you want to preach there?" And like that hit home to me. A lot of people want to be platformed. They're not ready to be platformed yet. If you skip this process, what happened? If you're not careful, you get on social media, you get a thousand likes, everybody like you, your head's like this, and you're walking around with baby giraffe legs. <laughs> and when your head gets all big and you got baby giraffe legs, you know what happens? Wow. Well That's what happens. So something, there has to be a growth in the process, a strengthening in the process that will make your legs strong so that you can contain the burden of things that will come your way in ministry. That's what Jesus had to put his disciples in a process. He didn't just say, come here, and I'm just launching you out there. No, they spent years with him developing, and even still some of them failed at some times. There are things that God has planned for us later that we cannot handle right now. The the, the prodigal son was not ready to handle the inheritance that God had for him. There's a reason we don't let 17-year-old kids vote. They don't know what's good for them. They don't. They're like, give me all the money. Right? Like They start acting like that. I deserve this, right? The son thought he would have everything if he would get the inheritance. What we didn't understand is without God, you have nothing. You're going to have all this. Mark 8, 36, what would a profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? All of this stuff, and so we're in a fight for these things. Let me I'm going to give you three things. I know I'm preaching to the choir here. This is what it looks like when you're, when you're starting to drift off, whether you could be in danger of becoming a prodigal. One, you're always asking for something. You come to God when, when you need. You'll see that later on next week, two weeks from now. Second thing is you long for the things and the places of the world more than you long for relationship with Jesus. if i could get that thing right there that's that's where i'll feel satisfied that's where i'll feel hope filled the last thing is you leave when you get what you want and i see this play out every week every week and it's it's so predictable you see people come in. I'm in crisis. Can you? Well, let's rally the, rally the elders and pray over me and let God get me out of this trouble again and again and again. And God always does His work and you get a little better, and just about the time they get strong enough, they depart. And I can predict it about three months later, we'll have the same conversation again because you predict future behavior by past relevant behavior. Unless something drastically changes. You're like, I will not live cyclically like that anymore. I will not make this circle, go around again. Things are going to change. From now on, things change, right? And this happens over and over from some. Parents, you're a parent in the room, spiritual parent. You have physical kids. Listen to this. Re- society is trying to get your kids to emancipate themselves from you. Not physically. Remember when that started happening? Kids are like, I'm emancipating myself. What? What? I can you imagine if, he, if I told my dad that, I wouldn't have to be emancipated. I would be in heaven. I'd just be yeah, you're emancipated. Me Jesus. I don't know emancipate something. Your kids are like pushing these, these situations the situations where, where kids uh, this is our world, we're, we're allowing kids to make adult decisions, right? Adult decisions and do adult behaviors that have adult consequences, and the school doesn't even have to tell you about it. If you're waiting for the school to help you parent, woo, you're already lost. You better grab your kids at night. You're not going to the mini fridge in your room. You're not going to the PlayStation. You're going to come here and talk with me. We're going to talk through some things. Parents, the world is not on your side. Jesus is on your side. The world is upside down. It's crazy, and you need to teach your kids, and you need to create the culture of conversation and dialogue, and I would say even create the culture of confrontation because if you have a teenager in the house, you already have that, so you might as well get a hold of it, grab the reins of it, and say, there is going to be some confrontation. I'm going to tell you what's wrong with this. We're going to have some tough conversations, and you're going to learn about the love of Jesus. This has got to happen, right? If you let the world teach your kids, woo. And I get it. And this is how crafty, check, check out how crafty the devil is. This is how it happens. I'm so busy. I'm so stressed at work. I come home. I remember when I was before, long before I had kids, I said, if I ever had kids, I'll never let them watch TV. Oh, Lord. <laughs> i like, just go put on the TV. I just need a minute, right, which turns into an hour, which turns into several hours, which turns into the world raising your kids. iPads iPhones, those are all tools of convenience. Convenience is a tool of the enemy, right? Disney is convenient. Somebody don't know what's going on in the world. You will pay attention to what the world is doing. The devil is using the convenience so that we'll put this on, infiltrate our kids' minds, hearts, souls, and spirits, and they say, you know, they don't know if they're a boy or a girl. And we're like, what happened? What happened? What happened? What happened is we didn't do what we were supposed to do. The world is trying to create prodigals. They're trying to get them to say, "I don't want my parents to have control of my. I want to run my own life." You don't get to run your own life, right? This is crazy. It is literally crazy. I mean, kids, kids—they know what they want. They want money. They want freedom. They want all this stuff, right? I want my allowance. Allowance. When I was a kid, we were allowed to eat. You're allowed to breathe in this house. You're allowed to sit on the couch when I tell you. Otherwise, sit on the floor, right? Allowance, what? Kids, if you're in the room, teenagers, quit being lazy. What a parents like that. (laughs) Got a few hallelujahs in there. (laughs) Help your parents. Your parents want the best for you. They're working hard. They have bills. They come home. If you get there early before they do, do the dishes. Right? right. Parents, if you think, oh, my kid, I'm just trying to give them some responsibility. So I gave them a cell phone. Whoa. You want to give them a cell phone or a responsibility? Give them chores. Give them chores, right? It didn't kill anybody. It's not going to kill them. If you would start doing this, you They start, start to learn some responsibility. A friend of mine, Pastor Jonathan Brose's August, he's written a curriculum called Cell Phone Permit. Some of you have younger children. This is going to be helpful for you. I'm trying to figure out how we can get it here. This is going to blow up in America because these things are a tool of the enemy. Listen to this. He He has eight kids. God bless him. <laughs> God bless him buddy He said when he went to their, 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 I think they, they made a mistake With their first one and gave him a cell phone too early had some problems They went to the second one and they're like Where's a curriculum that we can learn about this How to introduce a cell phone to a kid And there was none So they wrote one And um, things can go South quick with these I'm going to tell you how quickly things can go from bad to legal trouble. Here's how. Your friend, your son, daughter, they have a cell phone. Their friends all have cell phones. Their kids, they do stupid things, right? Just like adults do stupid things sometimes. One takes a picture of another one. He sends it to his friend. Maybe that's your your child. Your child forwards it to another. Guess what? You're now guilty of trafficking child porn, and parents don't even know how quickly they can be in trouble until they're hiring a lawyer. This kid's marked. Marked. Don't think this is a tool of the enemy? I just want them, I'm just trying to give them a little responsibility. No, no, I'm not saying don't give them a phone. I'm saying you better be in control of this thing. You better have the reins on this thing. You better be watching if you don't think the devil is trying to just tear your kids up and make them prodigals. I'm talking to you guys. I'm not even talking about them. I'm talking about us. start said, a few days later, his young son packed all his belongings and he moved to a distant land and there he wasted all his money and wild living. By the way, there's a difference between a self-extraction and ascending off. One of the things I had to get used to in, here in South Florida was military families. We have a lot of military families, and raise your hand if you're military. I'm not putting you on the spot. I just want to say thank you. Any military? I know we got a couple military. Thank you, guys. God bless you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. It means the world. It means the world to me. So you guys do what you do. I get to do what I do for a living because you guys do what you do. And um, they come and they, they stay a few years, most of them, and they, they go off. And first couple times I experienced that, I was like, This is terrible. <laughs> this is terrible. I don't like my friends leaving, but I understand the process, and so we send them off and we bless them. But when you get mad, you get frustrated with something, and you take yourself out, that's a self extraction. You've cut yourself out of something. That's not good world is trying to do that with our kids society wants to create distance inside of families and and it's the funny thing is you could be in the same house and be a million miles away like a million they're like right down the hall and it's like we haven't talked in years that's the devil we've got to grab that stand with me real quick i want to i want to finish up with this hang tight says about the time his money ran out a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve all of us know somebody out there prodigal who's starving right now I'm not talking about getting them a physical sandwich I'm talking about they're starving their 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 spirit is depleted they're they're hungry and thirsty for righteousness they don't even know it They're trying to fill it with the things of this world, and it just makes you hungrier and hungrier and hungrier. You just keep going on because it never fills. None of that stuff ever fills. Some of you have actual physical children that are out drifting, and you're just hanging on. Maybe you brought them to church all the time, and here's the crazy thing is that's no guarantee that people are gonna serve Jesus. They still have to make their own choices so if you brought them to church and you're, you're hanging on to that verse, God would train a child up in the way they should go. When they're older, they will not depart from it. I mean, every parent's hanging on to that. If you're raising your kids in church, you're like, hang on to that. But it's a fight. Society is making choices that is leading people into darkness. And if you're watching people get on the path to darkness, you know where that leads? To more darkness. The path to darkness never leads to light. Shocking, I know. If you're on that path, you need to turn around. You need to go towards light, and everything will change. Sin is darkness, and it leads to more darkness. If you have found yourself down, or you know somebody that is down, down and out, I mean bottom, they are down here, like this guy starving, in the middle of a spiritual famine. Listen, being down in life puts you in a perfect position to look up to the Lord. I know we despise that spot, but my goodness. Theologians call it the heartfelt cry. There's no, I've tried everything else. I've gone after everything else, and it's left me empty. (laughs) Help. It's not necessarily a bad spot. It's It's a spot where everything changes, where you're on the path to destruction, and you repent. The story isn't just about, like, come home, everything's good, warm feelings. This is a story of repentance. Repentance, a, a turning away of, of how I was living and where I'm staying and how I'm going to be to move back to the heart of the Father. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you for your presence in this room. But it never gets old. Father, I lift up the the lost ones around Homestead. Well, maybe some have never been introduced to you, Lord. They're lost. They need you. Maybe some that were raised in church. They're in different places all over our country, all over the world. Lord, I pray that you, Holy Spirit, just right now, just tear into their hearts. No matter where they're at, God, let them know you're real. Let them know you're there waiting for them to come home to hope. and so nobody's looking around in this room and maybe that's you maybe you've just teetered in and out relationship with the Lord but you just need him to run the show in your life if, if that's you and you want to make that decision to follow Jesus completely today would you lift your hand I see the hands, thank you I see them all over the room, thank you Jesus let's pray this prayer Father, I believe in my heart confess with my mouth that you're my Lord and Savior Jesus I need you to run the show in my life I'm tired of playing games fill me with your love fill me with your grace fill me with your mercy Holy Spirit fill me with power and strength so that I can live for you in everything we honor you Lord we honor you We trust you we surrender to your will and to your way Lord, I know you're doing something in our church, and I know you're doing something in our community. They don't even know it yet. Open their eyes. Open the eyes of their heart, Lord, the understanding that as the invitations begin to go out for an Easter service, we know it's bigger than an Easter service. We know that it's an invitation to your love, grace, mercy, peace, truth, hope, life. God, I pray that their hearts will be receptive to it. God, and I pray that you just turn every, the hundreds of people in this room right now, that you turn them into seed throwers, gospel throwers. That they'll be your witnesses. We've experienced, we've tasted and seen that you are good. Now we want to share it with the world. Bring the prodigals home. Lord. We love you. We honor you. We bless you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Can we put our hands together? <laughs> Praise God for his word. Hold on tight. Next week, where are we going to be? Out front. All right? So don't try to get in here. Listen, we got some big stuff coming. Listen, we've got some invitations for you. Little three-by-fives, I think they are. They say hey, hope coming on it. It's got our service times for Easter. Good Friday service is going to happen. Bring your own chair next week. And listen, get here early. Park in the field. It's going to be bonkers. I'm just telling you. We do it for Jesus. All right. It's going to be bonkers, but it's going to be a ton of fun. And next week, we're going to shout down the heavens and let Homestead know that Jesus is alive and well. We love you guys. We're excited about it. If you're first time here, welcome to the family. We always pray a benediction. You can pray it with us today. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O oh Lord, my strength. Thank you for tuning into today's podcast. If you want more information about LifePoint or want to get in contact with us, please visit us at www.lpc.is. We hope you have an awesome week. Grace and peace.